spending. Hey, we we're live again. We're live again. We just did an episode, but we switched places because we like this way better. So <laughs> we should. I didn't time that very well. I just didn't time it very well. Now you're over on this side. I know. I know. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome everyone to the Real Investing Show. My name is Stephen Earp with my illustrious co-host, the great Taylor Davis from Norman, Oklahoma. Taylor, how are you? I'm good, man. Uh, I love good. that the great was added to me. I don't usually like Alexander. You know, you and I'm, Alexander. I'm I'm there. I've arrived. Taylor, Taylor the Great, Alexander the Great, John the Baptist. Winnie the Pooh all have the same middle name. That was my uh, dad. Joke. That was my dad joke for the day. You got it in there. I know. There. I know. I know. Well, Taylor, why don't you let everyone know uh, what we talk about on the Real Investing Show, and maybe a little a little bit of an intro to our topic here. And I'll uh, I'll let everyone know who's watching live with us uh, to uh, post their comments. Yeah. Uh, so as always, we're talking about real estate investing. Um, we want to we want to dive into different options and different things. Uh, we, we we love taking people that are that maybe they're brand new or they just have a, a couple of uh, rental properties or real estate investment experience and they're really wanting to take it to that next level. So we we try to have. Uh, a lot of easy ways to get into the business, but also to scale up because that's where we're at is in the scale up process. So um, today uh, we're, we're, we're both what a decade and a half in each into this. And so we want to talk about um, how do you learn? Where did you, where do you, where do you get your education? Uh, there's a lot of options out there and yeah. uh, coaching mentor programs, uh, uh, course at real estate courses. How did you get your education? How did you learn what you learned? And um, what would you do differently? So, Stephen, yeah, you, you started into this earlier than I did, and you were well mm -hmm. ahead of the game when I met you. Uh, mm -hmm. Talk to me about how did you initially get started? Where did you start learning? So, first of all, I um, way back in the day when I was a kid, my grandparents were involved. They were real estate agents, they were developers, they were involved in construction. And so I have several generations of my family that were uh, builders uh, and, and real estate agents. And my parents were not, but I, aunts and uncles. And so when I was growing up, I remember cleaning out rental houses for my grandma and my grandpa. Um, and when I was a teenager, they taught me about getting creative financing from people, having people carry the note, how to screen tenants, um, how to get rid of cockroaches. <laughs> but your I first mean, mentor was your were your grandparents. Yeah, they they had I don't know forty or fifty rental properties, and it was all on wow. the side. They managed them all themselves, and a lot of them they managed long distance. Uh, and uh, they just kind of they were grinders, man. They were from that. They they were born during the Great Depression, and they just man they did everything themselves. Like they would have a house go vacant and my grandpa would like put on his uh his old man coveralls and and like go to work man i i remember cleaning out houses where it was like golly some of the worst tenants on the planet and like 
just filth and he would just dive right in and he would grind on it for 16 hours a day to get it ready for the next tenant. Wow. Yeah. And so that was at first. And then I, um, so, and they used to pay me like a dollar an hour to help them or something, you know? And then when I got married, I got married when I was 17 and, um, uh, I don't recommend that, but it worked out well for us. And, uh, and I, I made a connection with my aunt who was also a, a real estate. She was an agent for a long time. Then she owned a mortgage brokerage and I worked for her for a while doing, working on some of her properties and worked for several other investors doing construction. I did ceramic tile and I did make readies and all that kind of stuff. Um, and during that season, I ended up buying my first house when I was 19. So I was just kind of in the trenches. Um, so, so that, real, real quick, I want to, yeah. I want to ask a couple questions. So, yeah. What age were you helping clean out these houses and, and everything with your grandparents? Golly, 10 years old, maybe eight years old. When I was old enough to take out the trash, I was helping them. Okay. And wh- how, how many grandkids did they have? Uh, they have a bunch or? Oh gosh, maybe 16 or 17. Okay. So were they, were, were you the one that kind of latched onto this more than others? Or were they pretty intentional with everyone about trying mm-hmm. to give them information? Honestly, I don't, I don't know that they were that intentional about it. I think I just liked them. Just and really I, like the I like hanging. I like, yeah, <laughs> I liked hanging with them, and and they would offer me a little bit of money here and there to to do grunt work and haul off trash, and I was always willing, and I didn't mind sweating, and it was cool to get out of my house and get paid a little bit of money, and so yeah, I uh, now that I think about it. Um, out of my sibling, out of my, you know, because there were 16 of us grandkids. Um, I mean, there are probably four of us that have actually dabbled in real estate. Okay. Most have not. Um, I have one cousin that's invested passively with me. Okay. Another cousin that's bought and sold a little bit on the side. Um, my sister and her husband have invested passively with me as well. And that, so the rest of them really haven't. But that's kind of interesting. I never, never really thought about it, but, but they were, yeah, they were, I mean, I, I look at some property now in like South Oklahoma city and more that they used to own that's massively commercialized right now. And it's like, man, the, the <clears throat> if they still were alive and they own that property, it'd be like, golly, deca millionaires just on one property, you know? Wow. Yeah. So yeah, the property all the way from, you know this area, but from 89th Street and I-35. Oh, yeah? All the way down to uh, 89, all the way down to 27th. They owned like a half a mile of that right on the highway. Oh, and, my gosh. Yeah. And there's this little church there. You you know the little church that's on? The little tiny church. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. On yeah, the, my fam- side of the road. Yeah, my, my family built that in like 1979, and we had church there. Wow. And it was, it was on my grandparents' land, and there was a house right next door to it. My grandparents lived in that house, and they had a real estate agency there as well. Wow. And, and But they owned all the way to the corner, and now it's like, I don't know, it used to be a Hardee's back in the day, and and then now it's like a little strip mall or something. But it backed up to that golf course that's now going to be yeah. a new Catholic cathedral or something. But, yeah, really. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, back so, in the so one of the things that I want to point out real quick is like it's funny that you recognize them as a as your first mentor and yeah. kind of given that but there's 
there's what at, at least 11 grandchildren that would not feel that way right like that they, they don't look at that as a as a they wouldn't say this was my mentor and this is how I got to where I am and i just want to say that because i think that people that are looking for advice people are looking for information uh sometimes it's just like it's literally right there and uh it it doesn't have to be some big course or whatever sometimes you've got people that are that are in your life already that yeah. will teach you or have already taught you if you just kind of wake up to it yeah that's yeah that's interesting because i for me so here's what i think might have been different any environment i've been in I automatically thought this person's doing that. And if they can do it, there must be money in it. And if, if there's money in it, I can figure out how to do it and make money right. too. Right. Like I automatically thought that. I mean, I remember when I started my working journey, I was working for a carpet layer. I was a carpet layer's helper, which is very, uh, <clears throat> it's a very glamorous job. So like carpet layers spend their, their lives on their hands and knees on the floor. I'm the guy that cleans up the nasty stuff before they come in, right? That's what I did. Mm. And uh, and I was like, if this guy can do this, I can do this too. And so then I kind of got started in doing remodeling and stuff. But uh, but yeah, and I and I mean, I remember working with uh, these investors. I was doing make readies with my aunt, and she would tell me that, that you know she would give me their criteria. She's like, yeah, um, this guy, his criteria is to buy in this area for this price at this level. And if he can make this much cash flow and pay him off in 15 years, that's what he wants. And he wants as many like that as he can. And I remember him showing up on the properties. And if we can fix something instead of replace it, he was all in. And so we figured out how to like, you know, those old school wooden windows, we yeah. figured out how to reglaze them yeah. and, and like put the new points in them and, and repair the wood uh, to where they would work. And he was so happy. He was like, you just, he said, you just saved me like $47 per window. I mean, it was like that. And he was really, he was really happy. And I was like, great. Instead of $350 an hour, maybe you can pay me $375 an hour. Yo. You know, I mean, it was like yeah. that. I don't remember. It was like minimum wage was like five and a quarter back then. And he was paying me something like that. But um, but yeah, that was a long time ago. Man, I'm old, bro. <laughs> I'm minimum, old. Minimum wage was uh five bucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Some so, other mentors up the road, but yeah, keep going. Yeah. So let's go to the next one. So you, you yeah. grandparents are your first mentor. Yeah. You yeah. buy your first house at 19. Mm -hmm. Who's yeah. your second mentor? Where did you start to go? Okay. Now I'm really going to scale mm -hmm. this. I'm really going to learn this skill set. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I started working with my aunt after I got married, 17, 18 years old. My grandparents helped me, coached me through buying my first house. So I kept learning from them, <clears throat> from them and from my aunt until I was about 23, 24. Then fast forward to about 2003, uh, I would have been 28 years old and I wanted to get more involved. Maybe it was 2004, something like that. And I found a guy, a local guy here, uh, and his name was Pat Poynton. And he used to do, he ran one of the local real estate meetups and he also had a, what he called a millionaire mentor weekend. And he had an RV and he did two of these a year. And the reason was he wanted to write off the cost of his RV. And, <laughs> and so he charged a thousand dollars and he gave me a discount because he liked me because, because I was a preacher and he liked preachers. And, 
he gave it to me for 800 bucks in the weekend. It was Friday night, all day Saturday and uh, all day Sunday. And he would take you in his RV and he would, you would go in, you would do like a classroom thing. He had this book he went through and it was like photographed, like super thick, lots of content. And he and his wife would go through it. They would talk about rehabbing. They talked about, you know, buying and da, 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 da. And she was an agent. And then on Saturday and Sunday, we would get, we would go look at houses and we would, we would live look at houses. And it was like, he would show us exactly if I bought this house, I would fix this and this and this and this. I would buy the materials at this place. I would pay no more than this price for it. I would rent it for this. I would da, 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 da. And it was very specific. There was maybe eight of us on this. And, uh, and he, and he gave us the opportunity to write contracts on these deals. And at that time we were looking at REOs. Yep. Um, wait, wait, real quick. What's an REO? Real estate owned. And what, what an REO is real estate owned means that a bank owns it. And it really is a, it is really is a line on their spreadsheet that, that this is their asset list and it's called a real estate owned REO. So and bank owned foreclosed properties. Is what yeah. It, it's already been foreclosed. It's already the bank already owns it. And now they're looking to go on the market. And back in the mid 2000s, they were dumping them, dumping them, dumping them. And so you could get lots of deals on the MLS through REOs. I probably bought 10 deals like that. But that weekend, what happened was he was like, he was looking at these houses and there were five of them. He said, all right, here, guys, if you want to get in on a deal, I'm telling you, this is a deal. And I'm going to put a contract on it right now, unless one of you else, unless one of the rest of you want to. And I, I put contract on the first two houses and I said, nope, if you'll buy it, then I'll buy it. And I bought it and I, I bought two deals that day. And he started calling me a shark after that. He was like, <laughs> he was like, I've never met a preacher that was as sharky as you. And, uh, <laughs> He's like, I and- want my $200 back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he said, you definitely made your eight hundred dollars worth on this course. So then I made friends with him, and and we did. We ended up doing wholesaling together. We he taught me how to do subject twos, like he taught me how to do creative financing. I mean, I did tons of stuff with him, and that was that was before I met you. But then yeah. you know I was still connecting with him some, but uh, I was doing less business with him by the time you and I started working together. Um, and then through the years, just buying different courses. But the courses I would buy, I would buy courses that were, uh, I would buy them used, like on eBay or okay. Instead of going like because at the time, at the time I would go to these real estate events, and they'd uh, sell a CD like package yeah. deal of twenty CDs, and it's an yeah. audible and blah blah blah. And, but it was like four grand, right? I mean, right. Like some of these were like really expensive, but I'm going to give you all the content. So then you're going on eBay and you're like XYZ real estate bucks. investor and you're getting yeah. 50 bucks. 100 bucks, 50 bucks. Yeah. Somebody and then I just, found, yeah. yeah, somebody dusted it off the shelf yeah. and was like, I got to get yeah. rid of this. Yeah. And then, and then also, so I did that several times. I learned a lot from a Ron Legrand back in the day. I learned a lot from a guy named. By the time Tim Mai came around, I learned a lot from him, and we're friends still today. Not close friends, but we, you know, happy, uh, healthy acquaintances. Um, and so several of those guys in that era, and uh, there were others. Robert Allen had some stuff, and and things like that. But then one of the real estate, one of the RIAs here in town also would allow you to. They they bought every course, and they would let you check it out just like a library. And so instead of like buying all these high end courses, you know, would do that. And so. Right. 
Yeah. So that's how I, yeah. So now I'm going to go, uh, of things that you paid for. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what was the best money you spent and why? The best money, the best money I spent for education, hands down is the one I told you about the mentor weekend with Pat. Okay. Hands down. And, and the reason, but here's the reason it was the best. Two reasons. Number one, it's because I took action immediately and what that did, and that led to number two, I built a personal relationship with him long-term because yeah. I took action immediately. Yeah. So out of the, you said there are eight people on that trip. Yeah. I guarantee you just because I, I know how people are, yeah. you were the one that took action. The other one, one yeah. other may have done something and then the rest didn't do that's, anything. That's exactly or, right. Or worse, they kept asking, what should I do next? I'm like, uh, d- he did it. <laughs> like, right. w- do it. <laughs> like, take right, action. Right. right. He literally yeah. walked you to the house, said, here's a contract. This is an incredible deal. I will buy this deal if you don't. Yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay, sign me up. Go find me another one now. You know? I love that he made it easy for you to take action too. It's a very actionable step. If you don't take yeah. this step, I will take this step. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. solid. So I remember when we closed on it, he said, uh, I'm not going to repeat exactly what he said or how he said it, but it was something uh, I'm going to give you the, the faster version, but, but he basically said, dang it, Steven, I really wanted that house and you bought it. I mean, and good on him for like giving that as an opportunity, right? Yeah. 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 For sure. But, so yeah. So yeah. What, um, so what about you? If you don't mind me ask you a few questions about mentors and courses you learned from, and then maybe after we talked through your, your journey, um, we can talk about the big picture of what do you think about courses? What do you think about hiring mentors? What do you think about coaches and things like that? So um, talk to me about your real estate journey. Who who have you learned from? What courses have you learned from? Like, talk me through that. Yeah, so I, we did not rehearse this, but my first mentor was you, right? Uh, like, uh, that really, I mean, it really was. So in really? yeah, in 2008, I knew I wanted to be in real estate investing. I knew that's where I wanted to go. Um, and uh, But I, I got my real estate license and then we connected. And, and when we connected, I was like, man, this is a guy that's taking, like, he takes action, which mm-hmm. is man after my own heart. Yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, and so you you were very well educated and you you turned me on to several books. And I was like, oh yeah, I can, I can do this. And I think that, you know, for a good mentor-mentee relationship, you have to have the mentor that is willing to invest in someone, but that mentor, all right, if you want a great mentor, you have to be a great mentee. Yes. Is that the word? If you want to be a great mentor, you have to be someone that that person values pouring mm-hmm. into. The worst thing about being a mentor is when you pour into someone and you see nothing from it. And I don't mean that... That sounds selfish, but at the same time, when you're being a mentor, you want somebody that's taking action. You want somebody that's doing something that that is like, oh yeah, you're going, you got it, you you're you've mm-hmm. got this going. And uh, in in the the one of the most that will suck the life out of you as a mentor is when you are investing and you're investing, you're investing, and they're not doing anything. Right. Right. So if you want a great mentor mentee relationship, you have to be a great men. Uh, you have to you have to do that what they say, you have to, you have to listen to what that advice is and move forward with it. So, um, in 2000, 2008, I met you, you really started 
pouring into me. And then I'm learning all of these things. It, man, it felt like I was drinking out of a fire hydrant in 2009. Like between learning what a subject two was and how to wholesale and building a wholesale list and mm. how to write offers that, that you didn't have to put a lot of money down or that you could turn around and, 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 you know, a sign like there's just so much that was happening and I'm reading great books like rich dad, poor dad and things like that. And that really set me up. Yeah. And, and I hate to say this, but I really went through a dry spell probably until 2015, um, probably from like 11 to 15 where I wasn't growing a lot. Like I didn't mm. have a lot of, I didn't have a coach. I didn't have a mentor. Mm. I didn't have some of these things. Uh, but then, uh, Actually, in 2015 is when I got with Keller Williams and, and my perspective shifted on a lot of things. And I realized I don't know a lot of things and I need to grow. And so uh, that's when I you know, I got a real estate coach and that was helpful. Um, now, that was more for my real estate business. But right. I still think you a lot of those concepts and a lot like of learning how to structure a business and right. Like all of these things, that was so helpful, even in my real estate investing career. Um, and then there's a there were a lot of free resources or inexpensive resources, like uh, millionaire reading books. Like you're getting, dude, read a book and then implement something from it. It's not hard. <laughs> like it, you don't have to spend four grand on somebody to tell you what's in a fifteen dollar book. Right. Um, and Rich Dad, Poor Dad is a phenomenal mindset book. Agreed. Uh, and then there's other books, but then there's podcasts, much like this one. Like a podcast that was very influential to me was mm -hmm. Bigger Pockets podcast. I still gain value from it. And um, I really like when, when you get to hear different perspectives from different people. So what I have found to be the best bang for my buck has actually been masterminds. And that's because you're getting in a room with people that are taking action on a regular basis, dealing with very similar issues and quite possibly, and in most cases are going to be a missing link for you because yeah. even you're not the best at everything, right? Really good at some things. Right. right. And what, what I've found within masterminds is there's someone in this room, you know, in a mastermind, there's someone in this room that knows what I need to know. And they know it really well. Mm -hmm. And I can, if I can figure out who that person is for whatever it is, that is going to help move my business forward. In addition to that, you're connecting and networking and you're networking with people that are in a similar net worth in most cases, mm -hmm. or, or kind of around that same, or at least going to that same trajectory. And uh, so you may have a deal that doesn't work for you, but it works for somebody else or vice versa. So there's right. opportunities in that room as well. So I love the idea of that learning and mm -hmm. networking, right? Yeah. Combined. So for me, a mastermind has really been what I've found the most value in. Now, can you um, maybe for the viewers and listeners, like talk about the difference between like having a mentor or having a coach or being part of a mastermind. And I mean, are those things you pay for? Are they, you know, is it just gathering the people like talk, talk to me about maybe some of yeah. that. So, okay. So there's, there's obviously different options. So let's just go down, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching. Yeah. That's where you've got, I mean, somebody 
And honestly, they're not always coaches aren't always producing at the level that you want to produce, but they may be an expert in that area. They may really know they know how to get you to a certain place. So a a one on one coach, they're there for accountability. They're there like in the same way that your coach pushed you in in football practice or where, you know, whatever sport you're in. They're not just there to uh, be a resource for you. They're also there to be an accountability piece for you. So that's the bonus of having a coach. A mentor is usually not a paid position or a paid thing. There's, I mean, there are some paid mentorships, but I would say that the most valuable mentorships that I've had, uh, well, I've actually never had a paid mentorship, but I, I, I would say that some of the most value I've received have been from mentors. For example, yeah. like, what did you get out of being my mentor? I got a great relationship. Okay, initially, initially, what I got out of being your mentor was I got the satisfaction of helping someone who was really hungry and driven. And it was exciting and fun for me. Right. Because you were interested in learning the things that I know. So I gave you energy to your your knowledge, your information gained energy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, because like when you're excited about something, I mean, let's just be real. Most of the people that are close to you, they're just not as excited about things. And not like this. Yeah, you learn about just surrounding yourself with real estate investors. Yeah. So like what happens is in my world, it's like I I figure out a new way to structure creative financing. And I'm like so excited because now I can do deals that I couldn't do before. Nobody's excited about that. Like when you're talking about family and close friends or people at church or people in your, you know, your kid's soccer team, like they're not like, oh, how exciting is that? That you found a new way to do a wraparound mortgage. Right. You know? Yeah. Nobody's excited about that. So, so for one, there's the, it's just gratifying to say, I'm learning these things. Let me pass this on to you. The second thing I got was um, there's, it's fulfilling to have someone actually taking taking action. And it's kind of the idea that like a long time ago, I thought, and this was probably in the time I was probably 30 years old. I was like, I want to get my name into as many people's stories as possible. Like, and then later I transitioned that somebody it's like, I want to invest so much that and pass on whatever I have and whatever I can do. And my faith uh, impacts that, but also just, I think it's practical. I think it's helpful for the world. I think the world's better place because of it. So that's the second thing I got out of it. The third thing I got out of um, mentoring you is a mentor relationship is more informal than coaching. Mm-hmm. Coaching usually has action steps and targets. Yeah, mentoring is usually more like walking side by side. We ended up partnering together on lots right. of deals. We made a lot of money for a short time. Um, and then uh, the 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 fourth thing I would say I got out of mentoring you is long term long term relationship and network because you you now are your high capacity expert in far, far beyond my capacity in many aspects of real estate. Just in the last program we did, the last the last episode we did was me asking you a thousand questions about doing Airbnbs because I have not invested in an Airbnb um, and you have a lot of experience there. So it's like, um, you know, it's like the peer-to-peer experience now sure. of like, we have a lifetime of trust and, uh, and complimentary gifts. And so anyway, those are, I think, the four things that I get out of it. And so, and I would love to find more people to invest in like that oh, yeah. that are just going to actually take action. And it's like, yeah. I, I think, I think high capacity people that know a lot in some area, most of them, maybe a hundred percent of them that I know would love to pass on what they know to others. 
I agree with that. They just find someone who's motivated, but most people just, you know, don't do that. And so, um, yeah, good, good question. Um, maybe, so, yeah, so go real ahead. quick, I just want to go. So then you have to going back to the original question of like describing yeah. this. So coaching has an objective and accountability piece. Mentoring mm-hmm. is more of a relationship piece. And, mm-hmm. um, and usually it's somebody that knows what they're doing and somebody that, is willing to implement it right that's kind of that mentor mentee relationship and then the third with a mastermind um this can look a a little different but when i say mastermind i mean i'm talking about a higher level mastermind so there's an intent behind that mastermind group usually are those are usually fairly expensive to be a part of because there is a um uh, it creates a barrier to entry which also creates this um value proposition of everyone in this room collectively cares and is willing to invest and is willing to grow. And so you Mm -hmm. don't just get a lot of these fringe people that are not actually going to take action. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what a, a, like a good true mastermind would look like to me, Mm -hmm. but the free or the less expensive version are you, and you name, you mentioned it earlier, meetups, you know, real estate meetups. Like there's all sorts of real estate media meetups. Some of them are free. Some of them are really inexpensive. Um, and you're going to be in a room that the difference between that and a, uh, a high level mastermind is in a high level mastermind, everyone in the room is doing something and, Mm -hmm. and, and has knowledge to bring where when you go into these real estate investor meetups, you know, you may have 10 people that are really experienced and doing really well and a hundred people that are really curious and haven't done anything yet. Right. And yeah. so, um, yeah. you know, be careful yeah. who you your advice from too. Yeah. I, I will say this a few, let me, let me just drop a couple of tips. Uh, one related to mentoring. I encourage you guys, we all should have mentors all the time. Like, and a few things about mentoring is this number one, I recommend that you not just go ask someone, Hey, will you be a mentor? That's too big of a general ask. That that doesn't mean anything. Instead, approach people that know something you don't and, and ask them, hey, I'm just getting started, but I would like to just ask you a couple of questions. Can I have 10 minutes of your time or whatever? Ask for something very specific, very small. You, you ask your questions. You get the information. You say less. You ask your questions. You let them do the talking. And then you you after you leave them, send them a handwritten note that says, thanks so much for your time. I learned a whole lot. And by the way, I took action this way. Boom. And, 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 and then you, you ask them questions again. And over time, if you do that and do that with multiple people, and then over time, you'll find yourself in an actual relationship, a personal relationship with some of them. If you just approach someone and say, hey, will you be my mentor? They don't know you. They don't know what's this kind of commitment. What are you asking? What does that mean to you? It's It's too much. It's like, you don't really know what it is. So instead, plan on learning from everyone and and approach them like that. And over time, some of those will turn into relationships that end up being mentor type relationships over time. That's one recommendation. 100%. 100%. Another thing I might say about you mentioned, uh, I think it's a, a very astute observation that you mentioned about high level masterminds that you pay for are <clears throat> have great value. They normally have a barrier to entry of a, of a cost, a high cost, but also, and I think this is even more important is most of them have a filtering process where they're looking for people who are actually already successful to some degree in some right. part. 
So in other words, you're collaborating because you're cross learning from people. Yeah. There's, there's yeah. not a lot of value for you. If you get in a room with 20 people that don't know what they're doing and three people that do that's, there's not value for the three people that know what they're doing. Like I want to learn from people who know stuff I don't know. Right. And so th there has to be cross learning. So that's something to keep in mind. Um, and one more brief thing I might say about real estate meetups. You, what you said is so accurate. Watch who you're learning from. I tell me if you think find, find this is accurate, Taylor. To me, in general, I find the people that know what they're doing, there might be a reverse correlation between how much they open their mouths and jack their jaws and how much they actually know. Oh yeah. I uh, find the people that talk the most usually know the least. And it's the one there's like the old guy sitting in the corner that's been doing it for 30 years and he like knows everything and he is not going to like you know what I mean? He's, so, he's not going to be running his mouth. I went to one of these uh, real estate, local real estate investor meetups probably starting about a year and a half ago. Actually, it was, it was, whenever COVID kind of, mm -hmm. we started coming back from COVID and mm -hmm. it was, I think it was the first one. So that yeah. was probably a year, year and a half ago. And uh, go to this and I, I met a handful of people and, and I happened to meet one person that uh, was there and a little bit more quiet. Uh, and he's a local investor and, and I've now talking about a mentor. He's, we have a mentor mentee relationship. We go to lunch. It's very informal yet. We go to lunch on a, on a regular basis, mm -hmm. uh, probably once a month. Right. Uh, and that guy, oh my gosh, dude, like that guy used to, I mean, he was the, uh, buy it turn around and rent, uh, sell it on a rent to own back in the day. You know, that strategy that was very yeah. popular. He did that uh, up until like 2013. And then in like that year he switched and commercial and he sold all of his properties and moved to commercial. And he's been in the commercial space for a long time, does hard money lending now. And this guy has uh, a, a wealth of knowledge in so many areas. He knows how to find a good deal. He lends money out. Um, I mean, so, I mean, he's, he yeah. is, he is the person that everyone there wants to know. And I just right. happened to get to know him, right. but he was super quiet. He was not the person I, when I was talking to him initially, I had no idea what he really, who he really was. Right. Yeah. And, and then as we got to know each other, well, fast forward, I'm on vacation last week in Mexico and he texts me and he goes, hey, there's an opportunity in Norman you should look at. I'm under contract on two condos that he sent me, right? Because yeah. he just, he didn't want it, but he knew it was a deal and he knew I would want it. And that's yeah. a great example of a of this relationship. And I remember uh, the last time we went to lunch, I, I just said, I said, Russell, what what value do you, what how do I provide you more value? He goes, man, you do it. Like just yeah. in, he, yeah. The, just in doing awesome. things and have like, because I feel like, man, I'm taking so much from this relate. Like I'm learning so much. What can I give yeah. you? But yeah. uh, I think it's sometimes just the energy, but yeah, you're a hundred percent right. It's not, it's not the guy that's talking about the mm -hmm. one flip that he did and how awesome he is at it. Mm -hmm. uh, there's somebody in that room though. And, and that's the thing is you need to, you need to know what you're going after and then who you're really taking advice from. Yeah. And, yeah. And it shouldn't um, be the nightly news. <laughs> so let's transition a little bit um, and talk about like maybe courses and things like that. When, when is it worth it? When is it not? It's a little, 
dicey. I mean, I think you, the most value you can get is by going to these meetups. You know, meet you, you, you happen into the right person, you know, talk to the quiet people, find out what all they know. Uh, be careful when you're talking to the people that just talk and talk and talk. Um, and I, when I, I want a bit of encouragement, I don't even know how to say this, but I just, I remember because I used to help some of these course creators in the mid 2000s. I used to help some of them sell their courses, some of the like $15,000 mentor programs and stuff like that. 20 years ago, that was a lot of money for a mentoring program. That's a lot and of money now. it's a lot of money now, but it was a whole lot then. And yeah. um, here's one thing that I learned at some of these events I used to help with. I remember being at one event and the key speaker said, there had to be 400 people in the room. And the key speaker said, if you've already done at least one real estate deal, would you just stand up? And there were no more than 10 people that stood up. And there were like 400 people in the room. And I was like, all right, because all these people in the room are there to learn how to do it, which is totally fine. But but so many conversations were going on about strategies and stuff. And I was like, that this room is filled with information junkies. Yeah. People who buy the book, buy the course and never take action. The future is made by people who take action on what they know, not on people who take action to know things. Right. You take action on what you know, and that's how you change your future. And that's a big thing that I learned. Like, just take action. Take uh, Okay, 100% take action yeah. because <clears throat> you're going to learn more taking action than you're going to go through that course. Even oh, my if, gosh. If, if you were to go buy your first rental property right now and you overpaid yeah. for it by $10,000, you're still saving $5,000 in comparison to the person that spent that, and you'll learn more in that process. Now, I've believe in the value of education and education is very important. There is so much information out there that is free that no one needs to pay $15,000 to learn how to buy a real a rental property. Right. You can get it for, you can get a lot of information for free, take action. It will pay off. And I don't know why people are comfortable paying $15,000 for a real estate course to learn how to do something. But if they weren't to make money on their first deal, they won't ever do it again. Like if you lost 15 grand on your first deal, but you learned something, you're a heck of a lot further down the road than you are otherwise. I know. I, I heard, uh, this is, a it, this is something on one of the, um, one of the bigger pockets podcasts. You mentioned them earlier. So I yeah. throw some more love at them. Um, I, one of the shows I had recently was talking about how, and I, I agree with this hundred percent do at least three deals before you quit. I agree with that. I think it was David Green talking about it. And he's and he's a prolific author now, but David Green was a police officer in uh, Southern California, I think. But and and they were talking about like do at least three deals before you quit because it's your really your learning curve. You're not gonna make you're not gonna be wealthy by doing one deal or two deal or three deals. But if you do three deals, you can show that you can hang in there because yeah. real estate is about the long term and it's about the learning. And so um so you have That's to be not sexy. People don't want to hear that it's the long term. I know. Right? I know they I want know. they want that money, yeah. right? That quick flip. That's what they want. Yeah. It is long term. Wealth is created in the hold. Wealth is created in the long term. Yep. This is not a it should not be a six-month plan for you. This yes. is a like that's one of the things that I love about Rich Dad Poor Dad is it is about your financial education. 
Like yeah. you are learning, you're constantly learning and feeding your financial education, yeah. which is what will get you where you want to be. Yeah. It may not get you there in six months, but it will get you there. Right. Right. That's a lot less sexy than, you know, make a million dollars. Money, you're going to make a million dollars, you know, yeah. oh, the HGTV, I made 110 grand, <laughs> you know, on this one flip, you know, it only so, took me one 30 minute episode on. on yeah. Cable. Yeah. That was easy. Yeah. yeah right. Well, good stuff. So we've talked about. Go ahead. We got a Q and A, so we would yeah, need to do that real quick. So just to wrap up, we so we just talked about um, mentors, coaching, uh, masterminds, courses. Maybe to wrap it up, build relationships, learn from everyone you can. Over time, some of them can become mentors. There might be some value in hiring coaches if you get the right one at the right time, and if you're going to take action. There might be some value in buying courses if you get the right one at the right time, and you're going to take action. Um, and, uh, but really the, the key thing is to take action on. Oh, and know. don't join a mastermind on your first deal. No, you're not to that level yet. You yeah. need to, yeah. you need to do some deals where you start yeah. seeing problems that aren't really easily solved. Yeah. Right. And yeah. then that's a good time to join a mastermind. Totally agree. All right. Let's jump to, uh, some Q and a, we've been at this for 40 minutes. We've been talking about this topic. I know. So, uh, some Q&A. Let's try to do some Q&A. Maybe we'll go back and forth on some Q&A, get as many as we can. Okay. First question, Taylor. This question came from uh, Don Manning, who was watching on our episode earlier. The question is, um, can you use equity in your home to buy an investment property? Not only can you, you should. Uh, I've only done it on almost every deal. <laughs> So uh, that's the beauty of, of the way uh, real estate works is the ability to borrow against it uh, yeah. that, that makes it so much more leverageable. And so what, what begins to happen is the more you real estate you have, the more you can borrow because of this snowball. So it, it can start with, and it in most cases, for most people that are getting started, unless you just happen to have a really large saving or investment account that you're able to go and buy something, you're probably going to be able, one of the easiest ways to get started is to borrow against your primary residence as a home equity line of credit. And you can borrow against the equity in your, your primary residence. And that could be your down payment or potentially depending on how much equity, all of buying your first, uh, rental property. Now you've got a paid off asset or an asset with more equity and you can do that again and again and again and so on. So mm -hmm. absolutely, that is the easiest way. And by the way, you can, you know, when you flip a house, you get to pay taxes uh, on all of that profit, right? So you mm -hmm. buy it for a hundred, you put 50 in it, you sell it for 200, you made $50,000. Now you're going to pay taxes, income tax on that $50,000. Let's go about this in a different way. What if you did that same thing, but instead of selling it, you did a cash out refinance? It mm -hmm. does. That's not that's not income. It's mm -hmm. a loan. You can mm -hmm. get money given to you where you get to realize the mm -hmm. the equity that you have, but you mm -hmm. do it in a way that is tax free mm -hmm. because it's not income. It's mm -hmm. a loan. Yeah, good stuff. So I've got some other questions coming in. So Taylor, what let me do is because I'm watching the comments. Let me ask these questions to you, and we can we can cut these into. Uh, okay. Q&A that, that, that's with you. So, um, uh, okay. So Rebecca Miller watching on Facebook says, can you borrow against the equity in your home if you don't currently have a job? 
Probably not. Uh, you're because you are, they're going to look at your debt to income ratio. Um, so they're going to need to see some kind of income. I don't know what your situation is. Like if you have other streams of income that you could do that, but you're, that is going to be the key is you're going to have to have a debt to income ratio that we actually mentioned this on another uh, podcast episode is keep your W2 job as long as you can, because Mm -hmm. it is so much easier to borrow money when you have a W2 job as an employee than when you're self-employed, when you're self-employed and you write anything off that goes against your income and and it ends up hurting you in the long run on borrowability. Yeah. Good, good, uh, good. Good thoughts there, uh, Taylor. Uh, we have another question on Facebook um, from Tina, who says, uh, you guys talk about reading books about investing in real estate. What books do you recommend for someone just starting in real estate? Okay. Rich Dad, Poor Dad at the top of the list. And almost every real estate investor will, who's read that will tell you that. Uh, that's a mindset book though. Uh, another book that I would highly recommend is the millionaire real estate investor. Um, that's written by Gary Keller and, uh, Jay Papazan. Uh, and it's, it's not this, uh, it it is an easy pathway, very step-by-step to being a millionaire by investing in real estate. If you want to be a little bit more aggressive, there are some other books that I would recommend. Uh, Long Distance Real Estate Investing is another really good book, and it's got a lot of practical information on how to how to hire the people that are essentially your team, your your realtor, your property manager, your your deal finders, uh, your your uh, construction guys, all of that, and gives a lot of practical advice in there. Um. And one of my favorite books, and it it's not specific to real estate investing, but it is about uh, negotiating, which is part of real estate investing, is uh, Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Oh my gosh. Like if you want to learn how to move somebody from where they are to where you need them to be through conversation, that book will absolutely help you. Great. The only one I would add to that would be Cash Flow Quadrant. Oh, yeah. In the same series as Rich Dad Poor Dad, in my opinion, Rich Dad Poor Dad and Cash Flow Quadrant kind of go together. They do, um, but uh, but yeah, I love all the books you've mentioned. Um, so yeah, good stuff. So we've, those played, all- we've played uh, ca- the there's a <clears throat> he's got the game Cash Flow. We Cash Flow that as a family, game. and that's a great game to like teach you mm. how how it works because it's this it's this kind of grindy game that's kind of boring for a while and it's really slow. And then all of a sudden it starts getting faster and faster and faster, Mm -hmm. just like the real world. Yeah. So if you can, you can probably buy it on Amazon for, Oh yeah. But the cash flow game, I used to play that with my kids. Um, That can teach you a lot about real estate is playing the cash flow game. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun game too. It is kind of like Monopoly and but it's actually like based in how economics work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Any, those are all our questions that we have on the live. Um, any questions, any other questions? Um, I want to ask this. Yeah. What was the, what was the thing that you spent the most money on that you regret as far as education? What did I spend? Or did you ever buy a course that you're like, oh, that really wasn't worth it? No, I okay. I was really cheap. So the question is, did I ever waste money on education that I wish I hadn't? 
I cannot think of anything that I've done that with. I, um, I, okay. So the question is, did I ever spend money on an education or a course that I wasted or that I regret? First of all, no, because I was always a little too cheap and I was very skeptical and I didn't sign up for many of the high end programs. Number one. Number two, I'm very action oriented. And so I take action if I sign up for something. So even if you got a crappy course, but you took one piece away from it, you learned from it and you move forward and it paid off. Yeah. Now yeah. I will say I've, I've signed up for some education programs now within the last 12 months that I'm not taking as much action on as I wish that I was, but I'm about to remedy that because I'm not going to lose my money uh, by putting money into a course and then not taking action. So that's a great question. Um, yeah, really, really great question. What about you? Have you spent money on a course or coaching or mentoring that you wait, felt like was wasted? No, because well, same reason. No, I'm I'm cheap, <laughs> and <or laughs> I'll go with frugal. I'll go with frugal. And right? so I, I have been. I've been very, and I'm very skeptical of who I learn from. Like I want to know that you've done it to a level that I want to do it, uh, uh, and in an ethical way. Uh, yeah. And so like I've been a little bit more cautious. Um. And I have, I mean, what I've spent the most money on is a mastermind and I've gotten a lot out of it. So, um, no, I would say that I've taken action and, and, and seen results. So it, it worked out. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, good question. Any other questions come to mind? Nope. I think that'll do it. All right. Guys, thanks for watching the show. Taylor, I love you, man. The future is bright and, uh, please like comment and share, uh, the real investing show. If you're thinking about getting involved in real estate, feel free to, uh, Hit me up or hit Taylor up. Maybe we can help you in some way. We'd be glad to do that. 100%. Um, and uh, follow us on all the channels. Uh, you can reach out to me personally, Stephen Earp or Taylor Davis. Thanks for watching The Real Investing Show. We'll get some more episodes out next week. Mm-hmm.